0: The Outstanding Society was asked to provide a learning lounge at the Residential and Home Care Show held at the XL London in April 2023. We were very lucky to have such amazing panellists throughout the show, which made the sessions not only informative but also fun. This podcast is a recording of one of our panel discussions. Falls, the only way is up. Caroline Koch and Ruth French look at falls prevention. are joined by Preston Walker from Oak House Kitchen and Carrie MacDonald from Nourish Care.
1: Good morning everybody welcome to the OS Learning Lounge for our first session in here today looking at Falls um, and our little title there: the only way is up. Um, Falls is a huge huge passion of mine Um, I'll introduce myself and give you some background um, and, and then I'll introduce you to the, um, the other speakers today. Um, we've only got three pictures on the uh, screen. Um, kindly Preston, because we thought it was quite apt, really, to get a nutritionist point of view. Preston from Oak House Kitchens has kindly joined us today. Um, so my name's Caroline Kosh. I'm managing director of a domiciliary care company based up in Lancashire. And I have pre-hospital experience working in health um, as a paramedic for nearly 20 years. Hence why I'm really passionate about managing falls in the social care sector. So I'll hand
2: over to Ruth now. Hi, good morning everyone. My name is Ruth French. I'm director of Stowe Healthcare. We have eight nursing and residential homes in East Anglia.
3: Good morning everyone. So I'm Preston Walker from Oak House Kitchen. So we we support care providers uh, in training around special diets, um, food service systems, I've got previous experience as a, a care provider, having grown up with my own family residential home, which I was MD for since 2008 to 2000 and last
4: year. Good morning, everyone. My name is Carrie McDonald. I am the clinical lead at Nourish Care. Um, we are a software company that does digital care planning. Um, Previous to that, I am a registered nurse, so I worked in uh, senior operations in the care home sector for about 10 years.
1: Okay, so we'll uh, kick off first with Ruth, who's got some fantastic, really current, up-to-date stats around falls. Um, I I certainly know from my experience on the ambulance service, it's one of the highest reasons for call-out, ambulance call-out into any setting, whether that's residential or people's own homes. So Ruth,
2: um, the up-to-date stats, yes, I'm, I'm slightly nervous, but I've become the uh, Outstanding <laughs> Society's resident statistician, um, but I thought it was really helpful to us as we're talking about such a big subject to actually crystallize that and understand what we are talking about when we talk about falls in a care home or a domiciliary care environment. So... The reality is that a third of people over the age of 65 have at least one fall per year. One in two of those who are over 80 have at least one fall a year. Falls are the most common cause of death by injury in the over 65s. And in care homes, people are three times more likely to fall, which probably doesn't come as a surprise because of course we're dealing with the most vulnerable people Who need to live in a care home setting but it just sets a little bit of context to this discussion and understanding why it's so important that all of us are not just recording falls effectively but we're also looking at how we can prevent falls happening how we can analyze the falls that have happened to make sure that we can really learn from those incidents
1: thank you Ruth Um, so if we move on to carry because i think that's probably quite apt now looking from nu- nourish's point of view from a, a data management point of view a care planning point of view um would you like to give us your thoughts around falls management and what what nourish can do yeah so at the minute
4: obviously digital moving paper onto digi- digital is great and has so many benefits in terms of being able to access that information more readily um, being able to do your assessments more easily and see comparative assessments over a period of time. But I think the power of digital moving forward is to look at falls from a much more proactive point of view and be able to eventually do predictive reporting. So looking at all the things that factor into falls, not just being able to look at the insights from a previous month and review falls that happened and things that contributed to those falls, but create that pattern to predict that before it happens. So be able to create pathways for team members and staff and show them the guidelines to say, this person hasn't met their fluid target for two days, they've also got a urine infection, You know, they've also had their benzodiazepan dosage increased this week and actually this is all building this perfect storm and you need to be aware of this, you need to potentially put those mitigating factors in place. And I think that's, that's the dream, that's where data can really support around force management.
1: Yeah, some great points and and we've, we've done some great sessions over the last couple of days and one yesterday was looking at research and does research play a part in in adult social care. We know you know it's been happening in health for such a long time and we need to catch up a little bit but I think we've raised some really important points around demonstrating to our regulator the CQC, not that we're just recognizing okay Client Joe, okay, he's had a fall, he's now at risk of falls. Yes, we've updated the care plan, but what we're doing around that, what we're recognising around that, are we looking at patterns? Are we looking at time of day? Are we looking at, at, at um, urinary symptoms, at nutrition, at hydration? Um, I know uh, Ruth listened um, or, or, or certainly been aware of a recent webinar that's taken place, and I'll just let Ruth sort of give you some information about that because I think that this is really fascinating um, and, and something that every single one of us, whatever setting we work in, can certainly
2: look at doing to help reduce the, the, the in incidence of falls. Um, yeah, um, through one of our excellent trade associations, Care England, there was a webinar that went out recently, and I think you'll all be able to access it on the website. But it was run by University Hospitals Leicester and their Continent service have done a really interesting study into decaffeination and reduction of falls. Um, I've been looking at some of the statistics around the project that they did and what they were looking at is um, the fact that people who drink more than three cups of tea or coffee a day um, had 50% of those people experienced an overactive bladder. And the more trips to the toilet they were making, obviously this is in a hospital setting, but think about it in the setting that you work in as well. The more trips to the toilet they were making, the more their likelihood of falls increased. So what they chose to do in the hospital setting was adopt a blanket approach of only offering decaffeinated drinks to all patients. People still had a choice to ask for a caffeinated drink if they wanted one, but the default became decaffeinated drinks. They saw a massive reduction in falls in their hospital environment. And it just made me think, this is such a simple change that we could look at in our services, whether it's a care home setting, whether it's supporting people in their own home, because we want people to be well-nourished and well-hydrated, but what we don't want is lots of unnecessary trips to the loo. So this is just a really simple thing. I'd encourage you to have a look at the Care England website, have a look at the project that's been run by University Hospitals Leicester, and just maybe think about offering a trial in your service. Try it for three months. Monitor those people, um, the ones who you know are at higher risk of falls anyway, but monitor your whole population and just see whether that is making a difference to them. So a simple thing that we can do but it's a really good way that you can demonstrate that you're looking out there at what's available and seeing how you can use that to influence changes in your service. When we were
1: discussing this session um, over the last week or so, um, we, we were, were aware of different apps out there, there's a nice Stumble app, um, and, and we've discussed that you know, different settings um, require different approaches, a bit like person-centered care, um, you know service centred um, systems are important because what might work for your service might not work for somebody else's and we absolutely get that um, there, there is a, a tool that we use our local health um, care teams our community teams use and I just think it's a fantastic um, easy to remember tool to so look at the prevention um, of falls is a steady on tool so looking that the, the, the steady on mnemonic, looking at slippers or footwear that the person's wearing, tablets that they're taking, are they on diuretics are they on sleeping tablets? Um, the environment that they're living in is the sufficient light, um, changes in um, uh, floor level, etc. Activity, are they at risk of falls because they are likely to be walking about more um, and maybe a bit disorientated or are they actually quite sedentary and they're gonna be at risk of, of, of decreasing muscle tone um, does the person fall? The stats out there show that once a person has fallen, they're far more at risk of, of, of repeated falls. And, and I certainly jump on as a provider. I keep an eye on the falls that are occurring in our, our service. And when I see somebody's name on that register for the first time, I, I look at what, what's going on. Something's changed in that person's needs or the setting. Something's happening to have made them fall. They've never come up before. Um, eyesight. I think we, sometimes we, we may forget about that. Have they had a re- recent eyesight test? I know that's quite tricky with people with cognitive difficulties. You can't always get, a, 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 um, I suppose, reliable results from that, but are, are we looking at that? Um, in the DomCare setting, we find that quite a challenge because you might go in and there'll be 100 pairs of glasses when you start you know, going in different drawers, and are they wearing the most up-to-date prescription glasses? Anything else that we need to think about in terms of equipment? And then nutrition and hydration, which we know is incredibly important. And I think at that point, if I can just come on to, to Preston to, to give some insight in terms of um, the, the benefits of good nutrition and the risks around that when people aren't eating and drinking well in terms of falls management.
3: Absolutely. And you know it, it's, it's fundamental, isn't it? You know we, we know we know the link with um, you know, poor nutrition and hydration and, and the increased risk of falls. And I, I think you know, the future of healthcare is very exciting. Carrie was saying earlier on, the technology will be able to predict this, but you know, certainly I think there's trends that we can spot. And it, you know, it's again, it's, it's that whole team communicating together to identify who's the most exposed person at the moment, who's most at risk at this point in time You know, uh, you know when this first fall occurs. And this is something that we can be discussing in our 10 at 10 meetings you know, between care and kitchen teams, identifying... You know, Maybe someone's not hit their fluid targets for the last couple of days or um, you know, the nutrition intake hasn't been what it should be. We need to be focusing on these individuals and trying to encourage them as best we can through uh, you know, hydration stations and trying to get them to promote and, and, and take on more nutrition to reduce this risk.
2: I just wonder, and I'm just thinking, Carrie, from an evidence point of view, so As as the Outstanding Society, we always like to think about small nuggets that you guys might be able to take away and apply in your own services. And one of the things that I've started to find really effective looking at my services is not just looking at each individual fall when it happens, but looking across the piece. So we've started doing annual falls reviews in our home to understand the trends and patterns. And I know one thing that has made that enormously easier for us is having access to the digital data and for you know the majority of us now are on digital systems or progressing that way we've got access to amazing or we can create if we're clever through Excel amazing pie charts and all sorts of things that really help us understand what is happening with falls in our services where they're happening when they're happening the impact of those. Are they witnessed? Are they unwitnessed? What level of injury was caused? And I think Nourish and other digital solutions solutions can really help us form a much cleverer picture.
4: Yeah, I do think it's about joining the dots, like you said before. It's not just about looking at the fall itself, but it's all the things around there. I mean, Nourish, for example, can show you all the interactions you had with a person 12 hours before that fall and you can map those together. So if this person has had multiple falls, what are all the interactions that we had with that person pre and post fall to try and identify those patterns at at an individual's level but then you can build and build on that so you can look at it from a service level like you were saying and spot your services where you think Something's not quite right here, there's, you know, the number of falls in that home has gone up, not just through one person, and then at an organisational level. So I really think the data is key to help build to build those pictures for you. But I also think there are different digital systems that can support. So we integrate with a lot of um, different systems, things like fall detection systems. So we're not just looking at the injury from a fall, but if you, know, if you don't know when somebody has fallen you, and when you come to them, you don't know how long they've been there, you don't know, you know, people over the age of 65 are much more at risk of things like um, compression myopathy if they've been lying on the floor for long periods of time. So that fall detection system, seeing when somebody fell, where were they when they fell, you know, what position did they fall in, what caused their fall, I think these are all really key. sort of that safety net at every level so yeah we are looking to prevent but we're also looking to minimize injury if a fall does occur Um, and further complications from that fall I think is is what you're talking about when we say the whole picture
2: and just one further comment on that area I don't think what we should be trying to do is to prevent falls at all costs and what I would say is we we do very much have to take a risk based approach to this we had a lady living in one of our homes and her massive thing for her that meant so much to her each day was to be able to do half a mile's walk on her own, away from the home, on a safe road. Um, it's a rural area, so she wasn't in danger from cars per se, but she was at known risk of falls. But it was she had capacity, made such a big difference to her mental health to be able to do that walk on her own. She didn't want to be accompanied by staff. So what I would say is, think about what you can do in the context of your care planning to acknowledge those risks, those discussions that you've had. You know, our pendant alarms didn't work half a mile from the home, so actually she took out a walkie-talkie with her. We always had a kind of in-out thing on her door, so she'd slide it across when she was going out for her walk and tell someone but that made a difference to her life, and we supported her to have a happy life, even though she was at a high risk of falls, because we can't protect people to the extent that we're actually making their lives worse. So I just want to sound that note of caution as well.
1: Thanks, Ruth. Um, I think just to follow on from that, I'd like to say, following on a bit from yesterday, the, the importance of data, the importance of of analyzing that data and and the importance of engaging with research. And we're we're currently, we've developed a falls and unwell policy um, that's being analyzed, and and then we're gonna look at the data from that. But there's already recommendations at the early stage of that analysis, looking at, okay, from the preventative side, can we start capturing the the age that uh, that, um, people are when they fall? Can we start capturing what their comorbidities where their complex long-term conditions were. Is there a pattern in that? And I just think it's fascinating. If we can understand capture, but understand this data more, and going back to a point that Carrie made about joining the dots, that's absolutely what CQC wants to see, um, is that when we're doing care planning, I think we're all good at that generally, but how good are we at joining those dots up You know, when we're looking at those different factors, so nutrition and hydration, how that impacts on falls. Um, So... uh, I, want, I wanted just to put that in there. Um, but, uh, but Can we I, just, can I yeah, give yeah.
2: an example of joining the dots? So we had a lady who lived in one of our homes who was living with quite complex dementia. Um, she spent a lot of time. She was very vocal. She was walking through the corridors constantly. She was screaming a lot of the time. She was having an awful lot of falls. And my team very cleverly worked their way all the way backwards. So... She was having a lot of falls because of the sedatives that she was being prescribed, that she'd arrived to us from hospital on to try and manage the symptoms of um, her screaming. My team actually worked out that the reason that she was screaming was because she was in pain, because she was constipated. So actually, they were able to manage her constipation They were able to decrease her pain medication. They were able to stop her falling because she was no longer sedated. And I think what they then did was they captured all of that evidence together and they were able to demonstrate to CQC the outcome of their interactions on improving the quality of life for that resident. And that home got an outstanding rating. And that's an example of how if you join all of those dots together and work it back, you can actually make a significant difference to someone's life. And I think it is about sharing all of that data and best practice and that
4: research. I mean, I've lost track of how many um, bits of falls research I've read, bits of guidance. I live in Scotland myself, so what I'm most familiar with is the care inspectorates, um, managing falls and fractures in care homes, which also has some really great tools. But I think joining that all together to give people sort of a best of breed, we have best practice, but we also have common practice, um, and I think being able to join that together, digital plays a really key role in being. So I can see what is best practice, what is released, but I can also see what's common practice, what is actually happening in care homes, and and join that all together to create more of a transparent partnership working across all all the stakeholders that have you know a vested interest in improving the quality of life for people in care homes like your regulators like your local authorities we should all be working towards you know this the same goal so evidencing is really important as we know but evidencing without the positive impact it you know it's really not the point so I think that's really key
1: and I think I was going to ask Ruth before how how she involves her team because we were um, in a talk before and one of the key things I think we all said was about how to involve a team um, in terms of, of achieving outstanding is absolutely critical and I think that is the same with regards to falls management whether it's the prevention side or or the um, assessment or, or management of the fall itself. I, is there anything else you'd like to add to that Ruth because your team demonstrated that they captured um, or they analyse why that lady was in pain or screaming and, and, and put it back to constipation. Do you involve your team in, in, in that, in, in training? In, in, yeah.
2: yeah, and I think it's also important to reflect on when things didn't go as well as they should have gone. And I've been looking at a safeguarding in, in one of our homes recently, where actually the nurse in charge didn't deal with the fall properly and they didn't call 999 when they should have done. And actually... If they'd have followed the Stumble app, it would have been very obvious to them that, you know, that should have been managed in a different way. That will be taken forward as a lesson for not just that home, but for all of our seniors and our nurses across the company to make sure that they have got easy access to that app. And in an emergency situation, they've got a lot more confidence about what they should be doing to manage that fall effectively. So... You know, it's not that things don't ever go wrong in my services. Of course they do. They go wrong in all of our services. The important thing is how can we learn from that and do better next time. And I think just to
1: it'd be really useful um, and interesting to hear from, from you guys, any comments or questions, but before we go to that, and if you want to have a think, if, if we maybe ask each speaker just for sort of final comments or, or a, a nugget of something to take away. Um, Carrie, is that okay? Um, obviously, I, I do work in
4: the digital sector now, but I've worked in care homes for, for a long, long time. And what you were saying there about you know, the, the nurse, if she was using the I stumble app, she'd have realised. I'm going to apologise to anybody that saw my talk yesterday, because I'm going to repeat myself. But I read a coroner's inquest. Sorry, I know that's very depressing. But if we are providers, we've all had experience and the coroner's inquest was from a very large provider, it just came out in February, and it was a resident who had fallen and and sadly passed away, and the coroner's inquest just said that there was no evidence risk assessments had been done, no evidence the team was aware of this person's risk, and no evidence of any mitigation. It didn't say we did do anything, it didn't say they didn't do anything, it just said the evidence wasn't there, and I really think that that creates quite a punitive culture in social care, I've been on I've been a provider at the end of that and gone, okay, so what we need to do now is get all our carers and nurses to sign that they've read a risk assessment. And from experience that just doesn't work. It's about creating that positive learning culture and being able to take things away from, okay, let's make sure everybody has I stumble, that they're familiar with it, that they know our Falls protocol and offer that support. And particularly in Scotland we were really lucky some local authorities had really brilliant fall services that really supported care homes and it was a completely valuable asset but not everywhere had it and it was important for us as a business to make sure that all of our team felt that support and acknowledged that it it doesn't always go the way you want it to go and it is about that learning and evidence in that learning and
1: sharing it thank you Preston
3: I think, yeah, really just to reiter- reiterate what you said, Ruth, I mean, you know, it's, it's not looking at things as a negative, but when, you know, falls do happen, it's, it's looking at that process and trying to establish why, why, why that happened and what we can put right to, st- to avoid that happening again. Again, it's the communication between teams, isn't it, and making sure that, you know, what can we put it down to? Is it the medication? You know, are, are, are people not monitored as much as they should be at certain times of the day? What are the trends and what are the patterns that we can improve to avoid it happening? Yeah,
2: just to reiterate that, my focus would be on not just analysing the individual falls, but look at your broader picture. Maybe you don't need to wait for a whole year to do it. Maybe do it on a quarterly basis because there are things that you will be able to identify and put in place quicker. And that will depend on the kind of service you operate. If you have very few falls... You probably don't need to do it as regularly but just gauge it depending on the needs of your service and um, what I would say just as my final comment is as the outstanding society we're running a series of masterclasses that will start in June supporting you in um, each of the the five key questions that are going to be looked at by the CQC moving forward and we'll be giving more hints and tips under each of these um, five key themes so if you're interested in that there are flyers on some of the tables there's a QR code over there on the other stand if there's not one here so do please sign up if, if that kind of information is of interest to you I think it's going to be a really good value master series
1: so hopefully there's some great little tips there um, I think from me uh, from a Dom care point of view and hopefully there are some Dom care providers here um, is, is the partnership working that we've done over the years has been really vital. So we can refer patients directly to the Falls team now, and we've been doing that for a number of years due to the relationship we've built up with them. Um, So I think looking at that partnership working, what are your community teams around you? Who can you engage with? Who can you get to come in if you've got a bit of a problem? You don't know how to tackle it. Um, And I think that, again, um, is is great evidence for, for how you're trying to improve your service, because I know we all are. We might achieve outstanding, but actually we're still wanting to improve on that. Um, I know Zoe's got the roaming mic. Has anybody got any thoughts or comments or questions?
5: Hi, um, I work with University of Hospitals in Leicester and work with the community teams as well. I just want to share that we've started a project wherein we have lying and standing blood pressure on admission because like our patients who are on antihypertensives, on diuretics, they have a drop in blood pressure that we don't notice until they've had a fall. So on admission, we do it three days on admission to establish a baseline, and then um, three days post-fall to identify any abnormalities. And now it's been rolled out through the whole hospital, including community health teams. And we've got community health teams that go to care homes as well, to do training for care home staff
2: in Leicester, Leicestershire and Rutland. So, yeah. Wow, it sounds like University Hospitals Leicester is the place to be if you want to learn how to prevent falls. Thank you. No wonder you were nodding when I was talking about the earlier study that's happening there that you've obviously had a lot of experience of. So, thank you. Great to know that you guys are looking at it from other perspectives as well, um, just to get that really holistic picture of falls prevention.
1: Um, just, just uh, I know Zoe's got the roaming mic, and we have got another minute for another question. I think if anybody has got anything. Um, but, but if you don't mind if we could just excuse Preston because if he doesn't go he is going to miss his train um, <laughs> yeah. so
2: thank you Preston <laughs> just a quick one I know we've been talking about medications a lot in our final session of the day prove it or lose it we've actually got a superintendent pharmacist joining us um, and he's been part of our home getting outstanding um, and providing that evidence around what you do with medications so the last session is going to be quite, quite a good one
1: Anybody anybody for anything else?
0: Oh, one more. more. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you. Uh, Thanks very much. Um, I thought the stats on uh, tea and coffee was quite remarkable. I I work in a care home and I think our residents get between 15 and 20 cups of tea and coffee a day. Because it's almost a default whenever anyone sits down. You automatically ask them, do you want a cup of tea or coffee? So I think the uh, the decaf thing is really interesting. I'll, I'll t- take that back. But I also think the um, the other thing about falls in itself, from a care home point of view, a care home could in fact become a centre of excellence, and it should be a centre of excellence. And it should be when someone comes in, we don't even check people's footwear. Are they wearing the correct football footwear? we're not doing that 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 research. And I think that's where you know each care home can almost have a a checklist. When someone comes in uh, to have that information and, and can I s- help that person with them? Thank yeah, you.
1: fantastic comments.
5: Thank you. Hello, I'm Stella. I'm from. I'm a care coordinator from a care agency. We reside here in London, so I had. Um, uh, uh our um, clinically they saying when there was a fall the question they asked was what was the evidence okay assuming you had you were be near somebody at a at moment of fall what will you do at that moment is he calling the ambulance or taking pictures what kind of evidence do the person need? to prove really that was a fall. So that was from, the, that was the coroner's report. So
4: they were basically saying there wasn't evidence that there had been a previous risk assessment. So there was no documentation that a risk assessment had been done on this person to then put any mitigation in place to reduce their risk. And again, that there was no evidence team were aware. Now, I totally understand what you're saying. Sometimes you're, well, what evid- how can I evidence that? They work in our service, they look after our, you know, the people we support. What evidence do you want? And I suppose that is where I come from in terms of working for a digital platform. We now have the ability where we don't need that check the checker. We don't need teams to sign a policy to say they've remembered it. It's much more accessible. The evidence is you can log into this digital system and you can access that person's risk assessment immediately wherever you are because it's it's a tablet that's in your pocket and you have that level of access to it so i think my point is it, being digital doesn't solve anything everything don't get me wrong but you, the information you require to make the right decisions at the right time is more accessible to you you don't have to run to a nurse's station to quickly read the risk assessment to see what it says how that how you need to move and handle Um, a person to support them that should be much more accessible to our teams particularly in a time where continuity of team members is really difficult for providers you know having that continuity of team members that know your residents inside out is really challenging for a lot of providers right now So making sure that that any agency team members coming in have information to hand about the people they're caring for is really vital in
5: all aspects of care, not not just falls. I understand it very well, but assuming it's the first time the person is falling. Other uh, previous risk assessments, she was okay. Assuming it's the first time and it happens to be fatal, that kind of a care, how do we judge? Just so,
4: the, the coroner's, like I say, it's only a coroner's report, so I don't know the person that fell, but the coroner's report did say this person had, had multiple falls.
1: And I, and I think we need to go back to Ruth's point before, because, we you know, years ago, we did used to get bubble wrap out or cotton wool out, didn't we? Avoid the risk, no, don't do that, we can't possibly do that in our service. You can't possibly take away every risk, but it's making sure that you've, you've done your risk assessments and your care planning to to say well actually there's no evidence to suggest this person's at at high risk or or medium risk of falls Um, and and you know things will happen yeah
4: and that person might have you know it's unlikely because they had falls but they might have had a lower risk that what they were saying was you just can't show what you did do and what you didn't do if they could they might have said well yeah actually we did everything we could have done for this person and we still couldn't prevent the fall the point is they couldn't demonstrate that
1: yeah.
2: We're just going to have one more question, but the directors are all available if you want to ask more questions because we need to prepare for the next session. Hi, thanks. It's a really quick one. Just for the I Stumble app, is that would that be your highly recommended app to use for post falls? I know you mentioned it.
4: Um, so I, I think what you said before is yeah. pertinent in that it's it's specific to each service and to a degree. Each person, so that I stumble app depends on somebody being able to respond to you verbally, which isn't always the case, particularly in care homes where we, you know, are looking after nursing nursing residents. So, I, I think each service has to has to make that judgment about how well that will work in their
2: service. And Thank I'd, you. Yeah, just there, there is wonderful. an interesting blog that is written about I stumble, comparing it to another. I don't know if it was a Nourish blog, but anyway, there's a blog. Comparing a couple of different apps and pros and cons around that, so you would probably be able to find that if you Google. I think one of them is paid for, and iStumble is a free app, so that might also determine. But as Carrie said, it's nothing's faultless, but it steers you in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you.
0: The Outstanding Society is a community interest company. It's free to join and is open to everyone. You don't need to have an outstanding rating to be a member.